Are you looking for ways to strengthen your marriage? Would you like to raise children you enjoy being around? Do you long for a peaceful, orderly home that's a blessing to everyone who comes through its doors? Then you've come to the right place. I'm Jennifer Flanders, a Bible-believing, homeschooling mother to 12 and host of the Loving Life at Home podcast. Join me as we discover what God's Word has to say about marriage, motherhood, and minding the things that matter most. Hello, friend. Thank you for joining me for episode 18 of the Loving Life at Home podcast. Today, we're talking about a topic that is vitally important to marriage, and that is respect. How does your husband spell respect? Of course, the Bible commands that we treat everyone with high regard. 1 Peter 2.7 spells it out this way, shows proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the king. And Romans 12.10 tells us, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. A couple of versions translate that last part, outdo one another in showing honor. So when I'm talking today about what respect means to our husbands, please do not interpret that to mean that I don't think women should be treated with respect as well, because I do. But most women don't seem to have as all-consuming a drive to be respected as do their male counterparts. It seems like every man craves respect. I think that deep desire to be well-esteemed by family and friends and foe alike must be hardwired into the Y chromosome. Studies have shown that the vast majority of men value respect even more than they value love. And for that reason, one of the most powerful things that you can do to build up your man and to strengthen your marriage is to shower your husband with respect and admiration that he so longs for. The details, again, may differ from family to family, but the underlying principles remain the same. Back in the 1970s, when I was growing up, there was a rhythm and blues singer named Aretha Franklin who sang a song about respect. It was her signature song, and in fact, it later became an anthem of the second and third wave feminists. And maybe you've heard it. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I'd sing it for you, but I really couldn't do it justice. Soul is not my preferred genre, so I will spare you that. But interestingly, the song was not originally written by Aretha. It was originally written by a man named Otis Redding. And it contained the lines, respect is what I want, respect is what I need. I gotta, gotta have it, just give me some respect. And that is the cry of many a man's heart, just give me some respect. Now, here is how my husband spells respect, and there's a good chance that your spells it the same way. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, the R stands for respond physically. Of all your husband's needs, this is the one that only you can legitimately address. Theoretically, someone else could cook his meals or wash his clothes or clean his house or even watch over his children, but you are the only one on earth who can rightfully and righteously have sex with him. If you refuse, then he has no legitimate recourse. If you pour all your energies into being a respectful wife in every other way, but you callously ignore or marginalize your husband's desire for physical intimacy, then he'll have a hard time feeling respected by you at all, regardless of what else you're doing. 
thing. Sadly, that's a fact that I did not fully appreciate when I first got married. So I spent the first couple of years misinterpreting my husband's desire for physical intimacy as selfishness on his part. I spent nearly 18 of the first 24 months of our marriage pregnant and extremely tired. So I viewed my husband's completely normal sex drive as excessive and unreasonable. And if that great echo chamber that we call the internet had been around back then, I might have persisted in that line of thought indefinitely. But thankfully, 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 all I had was my Bible, which the Holy Spirit used to convict and soften my heart and open my eyes to the fact that I was really the one that was being selfish and unreasonable. No matter how hard I tried, I couldn't get past 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5, which reads, the husband must fulfill his duty to the wife and likewise the wife also to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband also does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another, except by agreement for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and then come again together so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. By the way, I hear this idea of, quote, duty sex being disparaged by a lot of women these days. And while I agree that it's a far cry from the mutually enjoyable and powerful and fulfilling act that God created married sex to be, I also have to admit that if I hadn't first committed to changing my actions based on that sense of duty that I felt before God when reading this verse, not to deprive my husband, then I'm convinced I never would have experienced the amazing and mutually fulfilling physical relationship that I now enjoy with my husband and have for more than three decades because I would still be selfishly slapping him away every time he tried to get physically close. So I'd encourage you to recognize the fact that God designed this one flesh union to be uniquely characteristic of marriage and understand also that your husband will never feel completely respected as long as you are habitually turning him away or spurning his sexual advances. So R, respond physically. E is express sincere thanks. Be grateful for the many things, big and little, that your husband does for you, and then thank him every time. Show him that you appreciate him in whatever way speaks most clearly to him. As the writer and philosopher Robert Brault once observed, there is no such thing as gratitude unexpressed. If it's unexpressed, it's plain old-fashioned ingratitude. 2 Timothy 3.2 warns us that in the latter days, people will be, among other things, boastful, proud, and ungrateful. In Luke 17.11-19, we read an account of Jesus healing 10 lepers, but only one, a Samaritan, came back to say thank you. He came back praising God in a loud voice and fell face down at Jesus' feet in thanksgiving to him, and Jesus commended him for his gratitude. So don't take your husband for granted and don't saddle him with expectations either. Expectations lead only to discontent. If your husband performs well, he'll get no special acknowledgement or show of gratitude because he's only doing what you expected. And if he doesn't, then you'll feel slighted and angry and he won't know why. So give those expectations over to the Lord and relate to your husband with a spirit of gratitude and thankfulness. Then S reminds us that silence can be golden. Didn't your mother ever tell you, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all? Now, I'm not advocating giving your husband a cold shoulder, but neither should you give him a piece of your mind when you're really upset, especially if doing so would mean spewing venom. Sometimes it's better just to keep your mouth shut 
at least until your emotions have calmed down and you can discuss the matter calmly and rationally. Harlan Miller made this astute observation. Often the difference between a successful marriage and a mediocre one consists in leaving about three or four things a day unsaid. Just because some thought springs into your mind does not obligate you to utter it. The ability to hold our tongue is an underutilized skill for many of us. Yet the Bible tells us that we should not let any unwholesome word or speech come out of our mouth, but only what is good for building others up, that it may benefit those who listen. That's Ephesians 4.29. So next time you're tempted to nag or argue or gripe or belittle, keep these verses in mind. Colossians 3 which says, But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Then Proverbs 21, 19 says, It's better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. And Proverbs 10, 19 tells us, When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Then R-E-S-P, P is for pray with and for your husband. Prayer is key to a strong marriage. Don't wait until your marriage is in trouble to pray. By faithfully bringing your husband to the throne of grace, even when things are going well, you can head off a lot of problems before they ever arise. Philippians 4, 6 tells us, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God. If you don't know where to start, I have a free printable 30-day prayer challenge that I'll link in today's show notes, and it gives a different Bible verse for every day of the month for you to pray over your husband. But don't just stop with praying for your husband. If he's willing, make it a daily habit to pray with him as well. Couples who regularly pray together are far less likely to divorce. Plus, there's great power in praying together. Jesus says in Matthew 18, verses 19 through 20, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Then E is for emphasize his good points. Your husband will feel better loved and respected when you're expressing admiration instead of fault finding and nitpicking. And Philippians 4.8 encourages us to do this as well. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. So focus your attention on the traits that first attracted you to your husband. Emphasize his most noble features. Wouldn't you want your husband to do the same for you? Which would you prefer, that he focus all his thoughts on your loveliest and most praiseworthy characteristics, or that he ignore your good points completely and concentrate instead on your most annoying and bothersome flaws? Treat him the way you'd want to be treated. If you'll make your default attitude one of warm approval and respect, then on the rare occasion that you do need to discuss a concern, your husband will be far more likely to take it to heart. Then C, choose joy. R-E-S-P-E-C, choose joy. What does being joyful have to do with communicating respect? More than you might think. Proverbs 12.24 tells us an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who shames him is like rottenness in his bones. That's partly because a smiling, jovial wife announces to the world, my husband knows how to make me happy. But a 
sour, malcontent wife broadcasts the opposite message, which is why the Bible says a wife who shames her husband is as rottenness in his bones. That sounds a lot like bone cancer to me, which I've heard is excruciatingly painful. I don't want to be a pain to my husband or to make him ever regret marrying me. I want to be a delight and a joy and a crown to him. Don't you? And one of the best ways that we can do that is by choosing to cultivate a happy, joyful attitude, regardless of our circumstances. In fact, the Bible tells us that we should rejoice even in the midst of trials and tribulations, knowing that God uses difficult circumstances to teach us patience and to build endurance and to mold us into the character of Christ. You can look at James 1, 2 through 3 and Matthew 5, 11 through 12 for the actual wording of those verses. I'll link them in the show notes. So R-E-S-P-E-C-T, respond physically, express gratitude, stay silent when emotions are high, pray for and with your husband, emphasize his good points, choose joy, and the last one, T, is for taking his advice. Undoubtedly, you've already noticed that your husband tends to look at things differently than you do. His unique perspective offers you a unique opportunity to get outside the box when you're looking at problems or challenges. Now, I did an entire podcast on the way that most men's brains are wired for problem solving. That was episode 12, and I'll link it in the show notes. So I won't rehash it all here except to remind you that you should listen to your husband, hear what he's saying to you. Don't get defensive or discount his opinion, but try to see things from his perspective and honor his wishes. God will greatly bless you when you do. So, R-E-S-P-E-C-T is what our husbands really need, or at least it's what they deeply desire from us. So, let's do our best to meet that need as only a wife can. And if you'd like some practice to help all that sink in, I recommend you sign up for my 30-Day Respect Challenge. It's free. I'll put a link in the show notes. When you sign up, you'll receive helpful tips and reminders delivered straight to your inbox every day for a month about how to effectively communicate respect to the man you pledged your life and love to the day you married him. Thanks so much for listening today. If you have a question you'd like to hear covered on this podcast, message me on Instagram at Flanders underscore family or contact me through my website, lovinglifeathome.com. Before you go, if you've been encouraged by something you've heard on the show, do me a favor and forward the link to a friend or head over to Loving Life at Home on Apple iTunes to subscribe and leave a written review of the show. Your doing so will help others find me so they can listen too. Until next time, I pray the Lord will bless your efforts to build a loving home life centered on Him.